this. <laughs> oh, dang, what's that? Oh, dang. Well, it sounds like some music. We've got some theme music for our table chats now, guys. Yeah? Yeah. It sounds like... <laughs> it sounds like that... Uh, what is it? It sounds like it may be a young woman. Right. Or a Smurf. Yes, we are jamming. Well, welcome to Table Chat Live, yeah? Yeah, here we are. It's good to be with you. Yeah, good to, uh, good to have uh, Mallory with us. Mallory preached last Sunday at, uh, at the table, um, preached a, a wonderful sermon. Yeah. Um, and uh, if, you don't, if you don't subscribe, just search for The Table Indie in your podcast feed and uh, download the most recent uh, podcast if you'd like to hear the sermon. Mm-hmm. So, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we're, what, what we didn't get to in the sermon, maybe expand on that, um, ask some questions about it, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and we're sort of learning the best way to do this as we go, including theme music. Um, but uh, <laughs> we thought it might be good for us to just read the passage yeah. that was preached on the past week, uh, just so we have it in our minds, like... Um, if we were there, maybe, or we just, yeah, just hear it, hear it afresh. So, uh, if you guys don't mind, I'm going to read this, that we, we, we're in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. This is a series we're calling the politics of Jesus, mm-hmm. living the politics of Jesus in a partisan America. And Mallory preached on Matthew 5, 38 through 48, uh, which is Jesus sort of finishing up this first, uh, section of the Sermon on the Mount by talking about eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, and, um, loving your neighbor and hating your enemies and what he has to say about those things. So uh, here's the text. You have heard it said, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you into court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask, And don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do the same. And if you only greet your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Thanks be to God. Yep. All right. That was great. Man. Mallory? Um, what we've t- typically done on past table chats is ask the person who preached just to give like a two minute summary, like the good news you proclaimed and then like a condensed version of like why that's the good news from the text. So could you do that? Could you just give us like a two yeah. minute? Yeah, I got good practice today whenever, uh, the nanny came to hang with my kids and I just preached a mini sermon to her unbeknownst to her that it was coming. So here we go. You let, you, let her, you let her have it, huh? She was like, how was your sermon? I was like, well, this is, this is what I 
<laughs> Judge for yourself. Here it yeah, comes. She was like, okay, great. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so the good news that I proclaimed was Jesus didn't give us a sit down and take it gospel. Rather, Jesus gave us a new way to confront injustice with kingdom power through cruciform and creative love. Church, lay down your urge to retaliate today so that you can stand up with the power of heaven. Mm. Um, yeah, so I, I think like a lot of the work that we did on Sunday was like reorienting what this actually means. Like I grew up in a church where it was like, you just take it and you hope for the best. And then one day when we're in heaven, when the clouds part and everything's great, like it won't be like this anymore. Um, and so I think like some of the good news was that God gave us kingdom realities that we can hope for and pray for and rally for here on earth. Like it's not just one day, like here's all the goodness that you can look forward to. Yeah. But it's like, here's how you can really live. Here's how you can really be a part of creation together without murdering each other. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so then this text often has been interpreted as just late, just become a doormat. Like what it means to follow Jesus is just to take abuse. Don't let, don't resist them. Um, And so maybe for like privileged, powerful people, there's something redemptive about not fighting back. But for vast majority of people, including BIPOC people, women, uh, other marginalized or minority persons, um, they, they, this is how they experience reality all the time, right? Is that, that, is that someone or some system or structure is, is taking from them without Mm -hmm. their consent. And so Mm -hmm. this then isn't good news for them. Like that interpretation isn't good news for them, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading, uh, reading while black today, father Esau McCauley's book. Um, and just talking about like, how some like all of this theology was just kind of like a slap in the face. I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about that in the text, but it was like, yeah, I don't experience this God that like rallies for me. Like I'm under oppression and mm-hmm. hatred and angst. And like, that is not good news for me mm-hmm. to take it, you know, like yeah. continue to let you slap, slap me on the face. Cool. 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 <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you had something really mm-hmm. uh, important to say, and I wonder if you can repeat it for us. Um, you said something about how this do not resist an evil person, um, uh, not oppose those who want to hurt you, that that word do not resist or do not oppose, it's not a very good translation. Could you unpack yeah. that for us? What What is Jesus really saying there? Yeah, um, that word resist. So Mike Irie like, helped me like bring this around. Dude is so rad. Um, yeah, it, it talks about like resisting being like, don't compete with this evil person and how they're competing with you. Like mm. you don't have to resist um, like on their terms, yeah. yes. you know, like you don't have to meet them in this retribution and revenge and vengeance. Here's mm. another way. Um, mm. And so I think a lot of times when we think resist, especially, I mean, for me as a female, if someone's coming at me, I'm like, Oh, don't resist. Like that means go limp. You know, but this word is, is there's action in this word. It's action packed. It's not just be passive and hope for the best. Yeah. 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 So it's, it, it refers to the quality of your action in return rather than whether or not you, you do anything in return. Yeah. That it, it, it refers to this, like 
don't return don't return their energy in the same energy that you have received it yeah um, because then you basically validate you validate their way of interacting with you because they're yeah. like well, see i have like look at this thing look at the look at what's happening here yeah. but actually what jesus encourages us here to do is 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 truly an active uh way of um resisting. I mean, you know, to, to conflate the translations yeah. a little bit, that there is a way of, um, well, how did you put it in your good news that Jesus gives us a new way of confronting yeah. injustice? Is that yeah. what, how you put it? Yeah. Confronting injustice. Yeah. yeah. I think too, like it's a liberation in that action mm. because I think so many times, like there's a shame spiral that comes with just letting people run over you. And there's a mm. shame spiral with like powering up. Like we weren't mm. meant to do that to people until yes. so both sides, both like pullers like don't yeah. do good work for our, for us in our human condition like they don't do yes. prolonged good work you have instant gratification but prolonged like it's mm. just gonna eat you alive and so it's liberating to have this like hey this isn't the mm. only way this isn't this isn't all that there is you know yeah yeah so uh, it's it's almost like inside of that inside of that system where you have to return like for like or just go passive someone's dignity, you have to sacrifice somebody's dignity. And it's, if I go passive, it's my dignity that gets sacrificed. Mm -hmm. And if I power up, it's your dignity that gets sacrificed. But either way, mm. I'm either a victim or a victimizer, a victimizer. Yeah. inside of this system. And, and I think the good news you were able to proclaim to us on Sunday, which was such great good news, was that there, there's a different way of number one, yes, confronting injustice, but number two, maintaining everybody's dignity. Yeah. As you mm. do it, mm. everybody keeps their dignity, and injustice gets called out and confronted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can feel like it. Pull, it pulls you to like recognize that inside of you more, right? Like to be able mm. to to recognize the personhood and the imago day in someone else, and yes. you see it in yourself. Like your paradigm yes. changes. You can't not see things differently after you acknowledge like here's yes. the hurt and trauma and pain in them their pain is my pain you mm. know i'm not yeah. going to settle for them you know utilizing me as a punching bag but mm. let us acknowledge like we are in this together yeah and we don't have to continue in this yeah. way of retribution retribution yes. yes so real quick mallory um the turn the other cheek then isn't to just get beat up again but um it has to do with how people were slapped and yeah. um and being slapped on the one cheek Jesus mentions is only from a superior to an inferior. It's a shaming mm -hmm. slap. And to turn the other cheek then is to assert that you have just as much honor as the other person that's beating you. And yeah. it's, to, it's to demand they recognize your humanity and, and their dignity. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the, 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 you didn't go into the Coke and the cloak, uh, coat and whatever. Um, yeah. but the way I understand that is, uh, uh, Jesus is saying like, especially for poor people, like basically what you would do is they would take your, they would take your outer garment and then you'd give them your under undergarment too. So basically you would, you would show them you are stripping me naked, which is mm -hmm. shameful for me and for you. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to be naked before you to wake you up to the dehumanizing thing you're doing. Yeah. 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 It was also like incredibly like taboo to be naked, like in Jewish culture, like that's a no, no. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it is this like blatant, like there wasn't any like passiveness in what you were doing. Like this was specific and this was like honing in. Yep. 
yo, here's what's mm -hmm. actually really going on here. Yep, yep, um, yep. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then um, force you to go home out, go, go with them too. That had to do with the Roman military, right? Can you say anything more about that? Yeah. So like back in the day, back in the day, back in my time, um, <laughs> the Roman soldiers could ask anyone in the Jewish culture to like carry their pack for them, like wherever they needed to go up to like a thousand steps. Um, and so it was incredibly demeaning. It's this power play, you know, I don't have to carry my pack. You're going to be like my mule, you know, like you're going to carry my stuff. Um, and so for them to say like, Oh, well, I'll go another thousand, you know, it kind of like makes these people realize like what wait what did i just ask of these people and yes. what are what are they going to continue to like offer here you know mm, yes. it's this like hey see how yes. crazy this actually is like so, how ridiculous yeah. so um can I, I share uh your name was invoked in a text thread uh, that i was on today mallory mallory Roark. Oh, i shared your cool. sermon this morning i, I shared your sermon this morning and a friend cool. of mine listened um and so i sent him this little message um uh, cause he lives in Philly and I said, um, Hey, did you hear about this that happened in Philly? And here was the Facebook post. I'm just going to read it. The proud boys. We didn't know who they were, but we do now, right? The proud boys, uh, a white supremacist group with a stupid name. Okay. This is the Facebook post, not me editorializing, um, planned a rally a block away from my house in Philly today. Uh, it was called the belly quote, the belly of the beast rally, because apparently that's where I live. The belly of the Antifa beast, whatever the bleep that means two hours before it was supposed to start. The park starts filling up with my neighbors. A drum line shows up, a brass band plays the quote. Anarchists are giving away free vegetables and nachos and some artists start selling jewelry. Black leaders are giving speeches. We chant Brianna Taylor's name and all the other names. Uh, no right-wing rally even coalesces. There was never room in that park for a critical mass to congregate. A lost-looking man or two walks to the park, doesn't see their people, turns around. A right-wing vlogger trying to debate people is surrounded and walked to the edge of the park. Someone spotted with a handgun is chased through the park to their car by over 100 people. The ice cream truck music plays the whole time. The usual guys sets their chess tables up and start playing chess. The crowd of neighbors start to break up. Um, and then this post says, Nazis, we will replace you. We will displace you. We will be louder and more numerous. We are anti-fascists and we're full of music and love and nachos. We will always <laughs> yes. replace you. Amen. And, and I sent this to my buddy. I'm, I'm getting chills as I read it. I sent this to my buddy and uh, my buddy goes, yeah, that's basically what Mallory preached on Sunday. <laughs> that That there's a way of... We're gonna we're gonna party in this park, so there's no room for you to protest our being here. Yeah, <laughs> I thought, dang, does that not take guts, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, and then a few of those a few of those things about like there's a person with a handgun, and what happens to the person with the handgun isn't that we produce ten guns. Well, the hand the person with the handgun, hundred people just say no to him, mm -hmm. and chase yeah. him away. Mm. Um, I just thought that was such a picture of what Jesus is describing here. Yeah. Yeah. That's creative love. Yeah. Is, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It feels like it. Seems like it. Man, if it's not, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's close to it. If nothing else, it's close to it. I don't, I don't know, know what, what I'm, I'm doing. doing. So, so I, I, I did, I did, look, look, up, I did look, up. look it up. Can you guys hear, can my, you guys echo? hear my echo? I can't. I can't. Oh, oh I can hear myself. I can hear myself too. Oh, dang. What happened? <laughs> 
Let's see. Is Let's that better? See. Is that better? Ben, Ben, I can't, I can't hear, you. hear you. I can't hear what? I can't hear me. Oh, but now I'm echoing. <laughs> now I'm echoing. Ben, something, ben, something happened, happened to your audio, and it's, and messing, it's messing up Mallory, up Mallory and me. And I just and had I just to come, had to come to, Jesus to Jesus moment. moment. And now, and now, there's echoes. Oh, we're better. We're better. Is it better now? No, sir. No, sir. Is it better now? Yes. Yes. What I just turned on and off uh, echo cancellation in the settings. Dude, that echo cancellation this, gets us every time. Yeah, I already <laughs> turned it off. I don't know what why it turned itself back on. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, putting this software on notice, Streamyard. Streamyard, yeah. you're on notice. Hey, I just want to share that uh, me sharing that story. Like, I I know there's people that have really strong feelings about Antifa, right? And um, like they see it as basically the Black Lives Matter equivalent to like neo-Nazi alt rights. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know enough about Antifa to say that that's right or that's wrong. Um, I, black, black people I trust, black friends I trust, tell me that Antifa isn't a group of people. It's, a, it's like an idea or a movement. So it's not really, it's not like the Proud Boys. They don't have a, you know, there's not like this, you can't identify like this one leader of it. Mm-hmm. But I just want to say, I don't feel like I know enough to say yay Antifa or boo Antifa. I do want to say that that Facebook post I don't care who's doing it like to dispel hatred and violence and dehumanizing uh, protest with a party. Come on. I I don't even care who does that. I just want to support the party. (laughs) I just want those nachos. (laughs) Nachos. Right. Nachos Um, and vegetables. Yeah. Well, Mallory, maybe we can go to this last half of this passage um, because there was a debate. Maybe. I don't know if a debate's too strong of a word. There was a discussion about um, how to, how and if and whether we should pray for those who harass us on our on our group me. We have a chat uh, group me in our church, and um, yeah, I mean, Mallory, do you remember that little kerfuffle? I do. I remember that. <laughs> do, do, do you want to set it up for us? Or Ben, uh, do you want to set it up for us? I, I can set it up for us. I think, um, and then Mallory, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if it was a debate or a kerfuffle, but there was some strong feeling expressed and specifically not, not just about like praying for our enemies or those who harass you, but specifically when the president got uh, COVID. Um, there was a lot of, um, I don't know, consternation. A lot of people wondering like, well, what do we do? Because I think one one thing that I saw that I think a lot of people saw on social media was this rush to sort of uh, pray for uh, his recovery, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but I think there was also this sense where people are like, is that, an, is that enough? Do we, just, do we just, is that covering over injustice? Is that covering over um, other things that we need to talk about just to pray for recovery? Um, and so there's some discussion about, you know, how, how do we pray, uh, you know, for someone like this, that, that a lot of, people that we love and know have been, you know, have felt sort of personally hurt and harassed by his rhetoric. Yeah. So there's some questions about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I actually found incredibly helpful for my sermon prep. Well, how, how so? <laughs> um, I think that it just kind of helped to name um, a lot of the trauma of the church from this passage. You know, there's this 
underlying forgive at all costs and forgiveness and what it does within us does such good work. You know, it ushers in redemption and healing, but at the same time, we rush to it. Um, you know, like, okay, that means all, all is well, never bring it up again. Never talk mm-hmm. about it. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. You're fine. You know? Yeah. And like, and, that's and it not was fine. True. You sort of like forgiveness as a way of saying yeah. it wasn't that bad. It wasn't wrong. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I think, I think that is part of like the, not doing the full work of the text, right? Like turn the other cheek, like just get over it. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. One day things will be made right. But it was so helpful to hear, um, like specifically from one of the members of our church say like, guys, like this guy's ruining my life. And people are telling me I have to forgive at all costs. Like, what do I do with that? Mm-hmm. You know? And so I think part of the good news is like forgiveness isn't just for your enemy's sake. It's for what goes on in your heart, in your mm-hmm. mind, in your body. Like this, this is part of your redemption. Yeah. But forgiveness doesn't mean don't call out what was wrong. Don't, it doesn't mean don't put evil in its place. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I made a ludicrous joke, like enemies get back. You don't know me like that. You know, like <laughs> you can still have boundaries and you can still have a call to justice and for goodness and longing for what we hope for in the kingdom of God. But forgiveness, I think, has been overinterpreted to be yeah. everything's fine. Yeah. 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 Well, again, we're, we're back to that choice of my dignity or theirs. And, yeah. you know, so if I forgive, it means that my I'm sacrificing my own. This is inside of the maybe shallow definition of di- yeah. forgiveness, that I'm, I'm sacrificing my own dignity. Which by saying, oh, I can't say that it was ever wrong, when, it, when in fact I think the robust definition of forgiveness that you're advocating for, it basically implies if, if I need to forgive, it means something bad happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like forgiveness mm-hmm. means you have mm-hmm. to, otherwise you're not forgiving unless you say yeah. what you did to me hurt and it was wrong and yeah. I forgive you. Yeah. Otherwise it's something different. It's, it's not saying that it hurt. You know, you're not telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think too, like part of the forgiveness is like allowing story, allowing the hurt and pain to be able to be present to it. Forgiveness Mm. and healing comes from getting that out of your body, you know, that instinct, that retaliation, that vengeance. And I think a lot of how we do that is to bear one each other, one another's burdens to like lay that before each other and say, Mm. I mean, just like he did, like, guys, what do I do with this? Yeah. You know, like my family is being ripped apart. My employees are mm. getting sent back to, you know, where they haven't been in 30 years. Like, yeah. what do I do with that? Yeah, right. um, yeah I, I think that it, it helps us to like reimagine, like to turn the other cheek and body so much more than just this passive figure it out yeah. and one day it'll be okay. Yeah. 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 It, it does involve telling the truth about telling the truth about our hurt. And I, I think the I think the Psalms are another good example of this of how mm. how Israel learned how to metabolize their own pain is they like it was like free just like tell God whatever you want you know what I mean yeah. like some yeah. of those Psalms are like shocking you know what I mean yeah. but but they reveal the reality of the pain that they were experiencing it's just that the appropriate arena is not to act on those things it's to bring those things to God and to the community in prayer right? And in our anguish 
You know, there's almost like a, it's almost like a filling out a complaint form and we put it on God's desk and say, I have a few requests for my enemies, you know, like yes. here, here they are. Right. Yes. Um, but that's part of the process is telling the truth about the hurt um, and telling the truth about it. even our own instinct for vengeance, telling the yes. truth about it. Um, just doing anything besides stuffing it or acting on it. Yep. Yes. Instead, we metabolize it by talking about it. Yeah. Can I, can I, can I put, put something else in here too? Um, I've been reading, um, uh, I've been reading some women and some black women and talking to some women and some black women about their responses to white Christians calling for prayers for Donald Trump when he was sick. And I think, um, I, th I think it's okay to maybe characterize it as like, they're pissed. <laughs> um, and what I, and what I hear them saying, um, not, not univocally. And so I, I don't want to speak for any one person, but if I can try to summarize it is, um, well, I heard from one friend of mine and she said, you know, when I hear the president talk, I feel like I'm being re-traumatized from mm. narcissistic abuse I've experienced from other men in my life. Mm. And I, I wonder if that, and I wonder if that doesn't describe the different reactions people have. Some people watch the president talk and how he treats people and they say, well, he's just, he's kind of uncouth or unorthodox, or he just shoots from the hip and says what he means. Uh, he's tough. And other people can't watch him because they get so triggered mm. and, mm. and like their trauma comes online in their body. So the first thing I'm wondering is like, uh, if you've experienced like abusive, narcissistic, misogynistic trauma, hurt, um, you're going to respond to the president differently, it seems. And you're, I, I wonder if it's not, I wonder if we aren't being wise enough if we tell those people, well, I'll just pray that he gets better. Mm. Like, like um, I don't know if that's, I, I don't have, I'm not settled or at peace with that. Um, and I think if you, so that's one layer being a female, another layer is being black, um, and how, and how he, Donald Trump epitomizes and sort of holds together all these things about white supremacy that I hear black brothers and sisters talking about that has yeah. been not just hurtful for them, but there's like generational trauma going on here. Ben, you're reading a book about this, right? How it gets stored in yeah. our RNA. It, Do you want to share about that at all? Yeah, it, it's um, <laughs> just at the beginning of the book. Here's the book. Uh, the book is The Prayer of Jabez. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> my grandmother's my grandmother's hands, uh, racialized trauma and the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies by Resma Menachem. Um, I'm right at the beginning of this book, and it is it's blowing my mind, blowing my mind, because um, just like that, that trauma response that you're talking about. Matt, that gets embedded into our bodies and it does get passed down intergenerationally. And so 400 years of slavery, you know, chattel mm -hmm. slavery, that does make a difference in our bodies and the way that black bodies uh, navigate the world, the way that white bodies navigate the world. He also uh, distinguishes like police bodies are, a, are mm -hmm. a unique kind of body that has its own kind of trauma. Um, so anyway, so it, it is absolutely fascinating. Um, both to realize that, of course, you know, black bodies have have trauma, but he also says like the white fragility, um, the triggering that, you know, that kind of thing that, that a lot of people talk about. He said that's trauma as well, that white bodies have trauma 
that won't allow them, like when, when they get triggered by white fragility, what's happening is that they're going into their fight or flight reflex because mm -hmm. they, their body, like this is how trauma works, right? Our bodies are actually afraid that we're going to, we're about to die, like that we are in danger right now. And so it's just blowing my mind in terms of like how to like, especially how to help white people understand what's going on when they get triggered, when they, when they experience white fragility mm. that, and, th and it's also why like ideas, like spouting ideas at people doesn't really help because you can't reason with a traumatized person. If your trauma's mm. online, like yeah. your prefrontal cortex is shut off. You can't listen to ideas and right. it doesn't help. Um, you have right. to get people out of the trauma first. <clears throat> anyway, it's blowing mm. my mind. That, that oh, is cool. Great book. Anyway, yeah. I can't remember why you asked me that. I'm sorry. I got, I got well, going. <laughs> I, I think so. I think then to tell somebody who's got trauma that comes online because of the way like misogyny and toxic masculinity and white supremacy kind of intersect in a person. Um, I, I think I think then uh, there are some of us who can pray perhaps um, good things for someone like that. And then there's others of us, I think, who can faithfully pray in different ways. And I, 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 I wonder, I'm wondering out loud if we can't give permission and freedom yes. to pray with the faith you have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, that's the first thing I'm wondering if like, we can just say, pray, pray in the grace and the faith you have. And if it's to simply lament and groan for the hurt you've experienced and others experiments that's, that's epitomized in somebody like this, then, then do that. Yes. Yeah. Um, the second yeah. thing, honestly, uh, go ahead. Well, I want to just leave for, I mean, give space here. I, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? Is that, I don't know. Am I off? What do you think now? Uh, I don't think so. I think like when I, when I hear you say that and I think about what I was reading through in the text, like these, these things are all like community, like, unctions, you know, like hmm. this oppression and this hurt, like these are all happening in public. Everyone knows what's going on. This is a, a body bodily out of singular body felt, you know what I mean? And so I think like what you're naming is, you know, if they see their brother get slapped on the face, you know, you can help them remember they can turn hmm. the cheek, you know, there's hmm. this like out outer like call to like rally for your for your fellow human. And I think like hearing you say that, you know, it's good work towards the kingdom to lament and mourn, even though we don't really know how to do that well as privileged people. Mm -hmm. It's good work to give space to those who oppress who can't take another blow. So like, how do we ask them to turn a cheek when they're bleeding from their mm -hmm. face? Sure. You right. know? Yes. So I think what you're naming is a way that we advocate and contend for those who are just beat up. This is how yeah. we say, actually, let me take a turn. Let mm -hmm. me let me move forward and do some of this hard work while mm. you sit and heal. If you stay over here and you do what you need to do, I got this one. I got yeah. your back. Like yeah. we are in this together. And so it feels like um, a community response to be able to do that. You know, I'll yeah. pray for I'll pray for this. I'll pray for the enemy. You you pray and moan and lament and mourn what what you need to do. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good word. That's good. I yep. need to think about that. Um, 
can, can I can I share something else too that I didn't put on that group me thread because I <laughs> I just didn't you know I I save my truly incendiary things for Facebook, um, not group me. No, I thought of um, so I thought of so everybody talks about like how God gets all Old Testament in Acts in Acts five with Ananias and Sapphira, right? And there's like this you know it makes Christ, some Christians uncomfortable, but I actually think uh, there's a weirder story in Acts that actually pertains to Donald Trump getting sick. Um, and I just want to read it. Can I read it? <laughs> uh, um, it's in Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 20. Herod had been furious with the people of Tyre and Sidon for some time. They made a pact to approach him together since their region depended on the king's realm for its food supply. They persuaded Blastus, the king's personal attendant to join their cause then appealed for an end to hostilities on the scheduled day herod dressed himself in royal attire seated himself on the throne and gave a speech to the people those assembled kept shouting over and over this is a god's voice not the voice of a mere human immediately an angel from the lord struck herod down because he didn't give honor to god he was eaten by worms and died <laughs> 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 Woo! That's a good one. That's a feel good. We'll do a whole VBS around that this summer. Um, <laughs> no, so here's what I'm wondering. Like, um, here's somebody who's oppressing people, causing injustice, and who his his fanatics and followers talk about in. Uh, divine-like, God-like terms. Let the listener understand. <laughs> no, I, I, so there's a sense in which... So here's what I found myself having grace and faith for to pray for Donald Trump when he was sick. I prayed that the suffering of his illness would wake him up to the suffering he causes other people that he would see that his own pain and weakness would tenderize his heart so that um, mocking disabled people and calling countries that our economy has contributed to their poverty, calling them shitholes. And, you know, the countless other things where you're just like, have some, like, have some decency, my man. Like, um, that, that that his suffering would tenderize his heart and that he would repent. Mm -hmm. um, now, I couldn't bring myself to pray that he would fall down and be eaten by worms. I didn't feel like I had the grace for that. Um, but but I, I do That's think... That's a pretty listen, bold prayer. I, I, pretty, I mean, that is kind of an impre imprecatory yeah. prayer, right? I, I wouldn't yeah, do yeah. that. I have, I've yet to uh, have that much faith. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Like... Is there room as Christians who are loving our enemies and praying for those who persecute you? I mean, do we have to pray for them to like, for everything to be great? Because it seems like some people who persecute other people, they, they an angel kills them. And they get eaten by worms. <laughs> like, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Unpack that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good thought. And I I mean, on the spot, I don't think I'm all the way like thought out on it. Obviously, it's pretty intense. 
But yeah, I think, like, my initial reaction is, like, the how I pray towards my enemy is mm. also doing some type of formation within me. Mm. And so I say that not in like this self-preserving selfish way. Like I'm only going to pray these good prayers. Like not that, not yeah. that far on the polar. Um, but being able to be real, like you said, like, please let this be a call to repentance. Let it be yeah. a way of, justice coming to fruition for our refugee friends, for our friends who, you know, don't know where to go from here. I think like praying in that way, I think forms me into the person that God has called me to be, to stand up for justice, not to sit down and take it gospel. And so I don't know, I find for myself, you know, if I pray for the fire to fall down and consume them, the cruciform work in my heart, like, isn't coming yeah. all the way through, that's you know, good. it's, that's good. it's, yeah. it's like hindering my own, like, yeah. formation, I think. And so like, yes, justice, like, God, let your justice fall, whatever that may be, because I don't right. ever fully understand, you know, but that's, that's different from indulging fantasies of vengeance, right? Yeah. Like that. And that I think this, I mean, Willard talks about this, you know, quite a bit where he, he talks about anger when he's talking about anger in the Sermon on the Mount, where he's like, you know, technically, is it possible to have righteous anger? Probably, but it's just <laughs> not advisable. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, we don't know what to do with it. I can trust Jesus to be angry. I'm not sure if I can trust myself to like indulge a sense of anger. Like in general, anger needs to be, uh, you know, you need to do something else with that anger. So, right. And I think, I think praying like that, Mallory, I think that's another um, picture, really helpful picture of praying for justice that isn't, nobody's dignity, dignity is at stake here. For, For my refugee friends to get dignity, I don't need to take anything from Donald Trump. I don't need him to uh, be shamed for them to be honored. Right. And so there, there is a way I think creatively, I think that's a great, that's a creative way to pray. Um, What you were talking about, Matt, of just saying like, I pray that this would bring about repentance and justice because ultimately what's repentance going to do. It's going to bring blessing to that man's life. So that is praying. That is praying for blessing. Unlike he's ever known. Right. It, it would be such a blessed thing for him to repent. Oh, my goodness. He would know life like he's ne- like, that's praying for his blessing. It yeah. is praying for his blessing. The tyranny of never having to ask for forgiveness or be sorry about something is is so ultimately dehumanizing that I, I'm surprised a human person could bear it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So put this quote up from Michael Gonzalez, dude, because I was just thinking about this as you were saying yeah. that quote. And I, I want to respond to it. I think Michael's right. I think Michael's right. Um, well, I, so for, for people who are just listening to the audio later, I want yeah. to read the quote, Matt. Uh, Michael says, I think Willard is at his weakest on that quote. And then there's a grinny face. I like that grinny face. <laughs> uh, grinny emoji. Or maybe I don't He's find it. He's walking it back just a little bit. It's like, or, <laughs> or maybe I don't find it entirely helpful. So, so Michael is a friend of ours, friend of Gravity's. He's been... Um, on the podcast several times uh, in front of the it's table. related to me at some point in the spectrum. Oh, that's right. Mallory's, yeah, Mallory's yeah. last name is Gonzalez. name. Hey. Hey, uh, I actually agree about this. Like, I, um, here's what I think. 
I think that privileged white men in America know the least about what redemptive anger could be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, I, 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 I'm just going to float some thoughts out that I haven't really thought through, but I mean, that's what I do. Um, I think, I think white fragility creates a ton of outrage and anger for white people. And it's actually fairly awful. <laughs> yes. Like I don't think it's good for them. Yes. I don't think it's good for us. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think the, uh, for instance, the anger and the, mm. and the grinding of teeth and lamentations mm. or the 400 years of slavery in Egypt um, and, and the calling out and just like, just that anger at injustice. I think that's what God's wrath is. God's wrath is a no to anything that inhibits or mm. mars his good creation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. I think Willard was probably, and I love Willard and uh, Michael, I see you, I see you walking it back cause you love Willard too. But, uh, but I, you know, he was writing within, within that context. He was writing as a white man yeah, and probably thinking mainly in terms of the anger that he knows as a white man and thinking, this is never helpful. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I think it's probably true that for us as white people, like, especially as white men, most of our anger is a, uh, petulant anger. It's a, it's a triggered response to getting disrespected. Right. It doesn't have to do with injustice really. No, most of the time. I mean, it hasn't yeah. up, you know, yeah. up until we've been awakened to these things. That's not to say, that's not to say white people can't experience injustice. No, no, no. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that's right. not to say that. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, for instance, when I was when I heard that dad at the soccer game, like ripping into his son for not playing well, um, I, I was genuinely angry at the way this dad was mistreating his son. Mm-hmm. And it it uh, if if I'm not angry at that. Like, what do I have God's heart for a father and a son? Yeah. Like sad things should make us sad. Mm-hmm. And injustices, I don't know. Yeah, I, I yeah. think there. Yeah, I think there. I think maybe we need more than one word for anger. Yeah, because we're lumping a lot of different yes. experiences and emotions into what we're naming as anger. Yeah, Willard does that too, where he says like anger, anger as a as a visceral response to stubbing your toe, for example, or injustice. There's nothing wrong with that, hmm. but he calls it anger indulged. The sort of the, the the going over of offenses in our minds and indulging yeah. this sense of uh, personal being slighted and that kind of thing. So yeah. now yeah. that I'm an expert on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think too it like speaks to our call as a body. Like as I mean, I kind of talked about it a little bit about being like a predominantly white congregation. There's not many people slapping us on the face, you know. And so like as a way to be present to those who are continually called to turn the cheek, you know, like it's to create that safe space, your trauma, your anger, and your hurt. There's space for that here. There's space mm. for you to feel it. Like mm. the only way we can move towards redemption is to feel it and move it out of your body. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of the work I've done is to like, just get things out, you know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we stop that process. Cause we're like anger. Ugh. That's not good. You know, like what you said, like there's more versions of it. There's lament anger and I'm just 
royally perturbed anger and I stub my toe anger. And I think being able to have an imagination for the space for anger that does good work, you Mm -hmm. know, not the vengeance and the retaliation, but I am hurt. I am bruised and I need healing. And this is how I call for it. This is how I call on my brothers and sisters to meet me here in the Mm -hmm. suck because Mm -hmm. I have no other words other than to feel what's, what's happening to me. Yeah. 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 It strikes me that it's, it's a, uh, it's a different thing to sort of indulging my anger feels like I'm just going to believe that whatever it's telling me is true and Mm. like yell, you know what I mean? Like I'm just going to indulge it. But that that's different from telling somebody that I feel angry. Yeah. Right. So there's like I can feel my anger without indulging it. I can confess my anger while feeling it. Yeah. But that's different from I think what we normally do with our anger. Yes. Which is just yeah. to sort of believe it and that well I got to raise my voice now and yell at my kids. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I feel like part of our white fragility is to to name anger all in one lump, you know? Yeah. I think like that's part of it. It's like, there's no room for outside thinking or there to be levels of depth to this. If you're angry, I'm out, you know, like, yeah, I I think of that with my black and brown, uh, sisters, you know, Mm -hmm. we talk about that angry black woman. Yeah. Well, that, that anger is good. Just anger. There's been so much hatred and hurt spewed upon, you know, my my black and brown sisters. And if there's no room for that, then how do we move to healing? How do we move to redemption? How do we move to change? Yes. Um, Can I share a quick story um, real fast? Um, Because when you said angry black woman, I was thinking of like the trope or the cliche of an angry black man and how... um, um, I've had f- uh, a friend, uh, Michael, actually was talking about how preparing his son to meet with the police is like this exercise in like encountering like it's it's like an exercise in like putting on this resisting without meeting mm-hmm. force for force. It's like an mm-hmm. exercise of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but but it, the irony, though, is this like um, if generational trauma is true and if and if. Um, systemic racism is true and i happen to believe it is um then then that is something to be angry about yeah like if you can't get angry at that what can you get angry for but then what happens is there's legitimate anger but then it's weaponized as a as a justification and excuse to use violence against black people yeah so it's like not only is this person responding the way any human would respond being angry but then mm-hmm. that's used as legitimate legitimization and justification to do even more injustice mm-hmm. yeah um and i i'm reminded of um the story that uh, greg boyd told about um this young kid in foster care um and they had a really hard time placing him in of a, a, a home because he had this um he, every night when he would go to bed he would, and this is kind of gross, you guys. So, get ready. This is going to turn PG thirteen pretty quick. Uh, he would he would poop in his hand and rub it on his bedroom wall. And um, every family he was placed with tried to like, you know, uh, discipline this out of him. 
right? Nobody wants a kid that poops in their hand and wipes it on the wall. I mean, it's just one of those things, you know? And so they were always like trying to convince him not to do it, trying to bribe him not to do it, trying to punish him not to do it. And he would spend a few months with families and he'd go back into foster care because nobody would keep him. Um, and finally, a family took him in and, and, and asked him why he did it. And with the help of a counselor, it came out that like the reason he was in foster care is because he was removed from his birth family because every night his dad would come in and rape him. Mm. And the only way he would not get raped is that he would, his dad was disgusted by poop. Mm. So it was like the way he protected himself. And I feel like, um, what that little boy needs isn't like punishment. What that little boy needs is like, son of a gun. I'm so sorry. Like, here, let me help you smear this poop for a bit. Right? Because, because you're doing the best you can with a devastating, dehumanizing, traumatizing thing. Yeah. And, so I f and so it feels like to tell oppressed people, don't get angry. Mm -hmm. Right? Is, is to basically punish a traumatized person for trying to protect themselves. And if we, I know, I know there's a risk of sounding uh, patronizing comparing uh, black people to a child, but I'm trying to pull this into our hearts that like we have the capacity to have empathy and to see these trauma responses and not to just simply punish people for their trauma. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's time. That's it's time we do that for each other. Yeah. Yes. Amen. I don't know how we get past. I don't know how we recover from uh, poop smearing on walls. Perhaps we should. <laughs> that kind of that kind of shuts down the uh, that shuts down the first date. Um, I would imagine it also probably shuts down table chat. <laughs> we're, we're probably this is uh, longer than we've ever gone in table chat. So, um, well, poop stories. It's it probably has more to do with uh, Mallory being with us and being able to speak some great things to us. But I also oh, uh, took that extra seven minutes in my sermon, so I'm just ushering a new era of my oh, speech. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Awesome. Um, All right. Well, anything, anything else, else we need to say? Mallory, you, anything else that yeah. you were like, this had to hit the cutting room floor because I didn't want to do the 31-minute boo-boo? Uh, no, I think uh, hitting on the like the other examples, I think – that was one of the things that I, that was my big takeaway. Like I wanted so badly to go through each of those examples mm. because I think in our like attempt to understand Jesus, or at least in my like growing up, we just lost so much of like, this guy's like pretty rad, you know, <laughs> like I just yeah. kind of learned like Jesus is this good guy, but you know, like a good old dude and you just want to be around him and mm -hmm. fish a bit, you know, like, but I think like his creativity and how he interacted with his audiences and how he called them to other thinking and new thinking. Um, I just found myself being like even more like enthralled with like who Jesus was like, gosh, like you could just like feel that charisma, not like, not like our weird Americanized charisma, but just that, that goodness, like pulling you into the text. Mm. And so I think being able to hit that earlier, um, it's just like one of those other points yeah fun little points about Jesus and how yeah. just how, how great he was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And is. So yeah. it is. Yeah. And is. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yes. I mean, this is so much better. 
uh, going through the Sermon on the Mount like this is so much better than turning the Sermon on the Mount either into an impossible righteousness that we can never attain. So we need to be justified by faith or like new personal piety. Yeah. But noticing how Jesus is advocating and contending for um, real world justice, which is the same word for righteousness in the Gospels, yes. uh, changes everything for me. I feel like I'm reading scripture for the first time. Yeah, yeah. totally. I, I think it even gives new meaning to like the kingdom of God is at hand. It's drawn near. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think for so long it's like, oh, what a good idea. I wish that were true, you know? And then like you see these like hands-on examples and you're like, no, he meant it. He gave me the tools I needed Mm. for 2020. Like he Mm -hmm. knew this was going to be a lot, (laughs) you know? Like he knew this was a lot for like my black and brown brothers and sisters going through slavery and civil rights. Like he gave us these things so that we could say yes to that. And so that we could mm-hmm. say yes to the kingdom of God in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like being able to like say yes to like, yeah, kingdom of God is near. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just great. <laughs> Amen. Well, Mallory, uh, thank you for proclaiming the word faithfully this week. And thanks for being yes. on table chat to teach us mm-hmm. more. Um, and we really, we really are, we really are blessed by your voice in our church we're also blessed by this music yeah baby drop it come on now this is fading it up it was it's like the outro it felt like the outro it felt like the right outro. time ask it we probably just don't we start talking though in the outro we we don't keep talking after the outro all right Feels run like back the outro all right, here it comes. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. <laughs> our, outro, our outro music ran out. Oh, that was uh, a very okay. anticlimactic. And <laughs> until next time, everybody. We're yeah. done. All right. Bye.